Well, greetings to each of you in Jesus' name. It's a blessing, it's a privilege for Sally and I to be here to worship with you today. And um, what a beautiful day to worship the Lord that we have. <clears throat> I'd just like to share that about three years ago, at the very onset of COVID, I was in northern Pennsylvania for a week of meetings. And while I was there, um, that's the area where the, some of the Histons were from. Uh, Joe and Marlene and Jonathan Histon are from that area. And if you know Lisa Weigler from our congregation, she's also from that congregation there. Um, anyway, I preached four sermons and then at that point, the congregation and the governor of Pennsylvania, they termi terminated my contract and they sent me home. I think it was because of COVID. Well, at least I hope it was because of COVID. But while I was there, there was a, there's a quartet for me, a CD. This is the CD that they gave to me. And I had plenty of time to listen to this CD and as I listened, there was one song especially that just really got my attention, and especially the chorus of this, this one song. The uh, title of this CD is called, Lord, Give Us a Vision, and the song that this group was singing, the title of the song is called, We've Been Called Out. And as I listened to that, song, as I listened to the course of that song, the, the words began to resonate in my head and resonate in my heart, and I just decided to put together a sermon that would reflect what I heard in that song. So this morning, we have a special group here to, today that has consented to sing that song for us, and so listen to the song as the group comes up to sing, and pay special attention to the phrases within the course because you'll hear some more of it this morning. So the group that has consented, would you please come forward and sing that song for us. Silence started to sing 
The earth shook about to swallow open wide. God said to be called out, and we've been called out. to the group and a job well done. Brothers and sisters, you've been called out. For what purpose? To show forth his praise. Title of the message this morning is We've Been Called Out. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. For a text, 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. Speaking of you here at the bank congregation, but you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, not strange, a purchased people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter wrote this, and from personal experience, Peter knew exactly what it meant to be called out. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We look at when Peter received a call. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Now as he, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. It was a process that God called Peter to, I will make you to become fishers of men. You know, for Peter to answer this call from the Lord Jesus required him to lay some things aside. Number one, he needed to lay aside the security of his home. Secondly, he needed to lay aside... Um, a good job, a financial stability, and thirdly, and maybe probably the most importantly, more difficult thing for Peter to lay aside was the ability to make choices in life as he saw fit and surrender his allegiance to another. And brothers and sisters, that's what it calls, it's necessary for us to surrender if we're going to follow, follow God's call on our lives as well. This is a beautiful verse, and I would tell you that I don't have the vocabulary, nor do I have the ability 
to be, able, to be able to explain the tremendous transition from the old life to the new life. I can't do it. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do that for you. But just imagine, think about the spiritual bondage, going from spiritual bondage to deliverance and freedom. Think about going from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from being an outcast to identity within the family of God, and going from one who was condemned to being reconciled to God and receiving new life in Him. I can't explain it. I just hope the Holy Spirit can fill in the blanks for you. And brothers and sisters, it's not so much what we've been called out of, but what we have been called to. And those, the beautiful course of that song, we want to consider some of the things that you and I have been called to. We have been called to show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into that marvelous light. Number one, we have been called out for a purpose. I appreciate what Brother Allen said this morning. He talked about a target. He talked about a goal. And this, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about um, pointing to the mark or pressing toward the mark. That's having a goal. And I guess I've been especially impressed recently of how important it is in our lives that we have a goal or something to, to shoot for, a godly purpose, if you will. A godly purpose for life that produces joy, a vibrancy, and a fulfillment that's unattainable in what this world has to offer. It's my understanding that as of November 15, 2022, the world population reached 8 billion people. And sad to say, there's a vast majority of those 8 billion people that are living their lives outside of a concept of a creator and outside of a godly purpose for their lives. And when that is true, there are no, no moral absolutes. When you cast all that aside, there's no moral absolutes. And what is the natural outcome from that kind of a mindset? It's disillusionment. And brothers and sisters, you can look in the world and you know there's a tremendous amount of disillusionment in our world. And what happens when people are disillusioned? I'd like to share some staggering statistics on suicide. And these statistics come from 2018, and I think they're fairly current yet today. There are 44,965 suicides per year in the United States. And this is sad as well. For every suicide, 25 attempts are made. So there's, in this year, there probably will be a million people who would decide to end their life. Suicides cost the United States $69 billion every year. And I looked it up this morning. And worldwide, there's 800,000 people that take their life. And that means one every over, every 40 seconds, somebody takes their life. Why? Because there's disillusionment. They don't have a goal. They don't have a purpose. They don't have anything to, or very little to live for. And so today, there's probably, in the United States, there'll be 125 people 
that will take their life. And I say how sad. Brothers and sisters, you have something to live for, to show forth the praises, to give someone hope. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the NIV, Therefore I, Paul, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, what is the purpose? To offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Is that the standard that Peter lived by? I'm not going to spend a lot of time and go over the account, but if you remember in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was interesting. I believe it said the ninth hour. So at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were going up to the temple. To pray. And you know that they met this lame man, this impotent man there, and they healed him. But I would invite you to think about Peter and what he did. Was he showing forth the praises of God? Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness that we made this man to walk? What did he do? Where did he give God? Who did he give the glory? Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And you know how Peter, uh, well, let's go on to verse 16 yet. Who did Peter give glory for this great miracle? Verse 16, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. So Peter gave faith to the Lord Jesus, the great healer, the great physician, for this man's wellness. And I ask you, do you and I do the same? You know, God created people, many people that we read of in Scripture, created them with a specific purpose in life. Moses had a specific purpose. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10 says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses had a purpose. Jeremiah also had a purpose. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Imagine the omniscience, the omnipotence of Almighty God. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before conception, God had a specific plan for Jeremiah. God also had a specific plan for Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. I love this account as well. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. We're thinking of, of a purpose. But the Lord said unto him, speaking to Ananias, Go thy way, for he, Paul, he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. And I like... I circled in my Bible 
for he is a chosen vessel. You mean the man who had caused all this havoc in the church, sent men and women to, to the jail and was happy to see them die? Jesus said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Brothers and sisters, I don't care how much you have messed up in life. If you're willing to turn around and surrender your life to Jesus Christ, God has a specific purpose for you. You are a chosen vessel to the Lord Jesus. There's a couple of verses. There is a verse from the NIV that reads a little bit different. I would submit to you, if there's anybody here that maybe... Do you all ever face discouragement? You don't have to raise your hand. I will. I think all of us at times face discouragement. And I'm not going to turn to it from the King James, but there's a verse that has impressed me over the years recently from the NIV. It's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. And it says, He who refreshes others will himself also be refreshed. That's God's word, it's not my word. But you know, when we're down and discouraged, if we're willing to, to redirect the focus from ourselves and look to somebody else and try to minister to their needs, God's word said he's going to bless you too. He that refreshes others will himself also be refreshed. That's God's word, not my word. We're speaking of purpose. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been called out for a purpose. Second point of the message, we've been called out to be a servant. Where would you go to look for, for a beautiful example in Scripture of servanthood? Thinking of Jesus, do I hear anyone? Where would you go? Are you all bashful? Obviously, we could go to John 13. We could go to Philippians chapter 2. And I'd like to go there if you, I would invite you to Philippians chapter 2. We've been called out to be a servant. We're thinking of the Lord Jesus and how he was a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 8. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did he do? Verse 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he, Jesus, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came to be a servant. Well, what was it necessary? Was it necessary for Jesus to lay some things down to be your servant? I think there's some things that Jesus needs to lay down. Maybe he picked them up. Yes, he did. He picked it up later. But first I think about he laid down equality with the Father. Secondly, he laid down his reputation. Thirdly, he laid down his former glory. Fourth, he laid down his residence in heaven. And Jesus was willing to be born of his own creation. And ultimately, he was willing to lay down his blood and his life. Why? So he could be a servant for me and for you. I hope that touches your heart. 
I may talk about it a little bit later. But thinking about Jesus serving, and he was willing to give up something that he needed for his own comfort and his own life. He was willing to give up his life. He was willing to give up his blood so that we can be redeemed back to the Father. I say praise his holy name. Thinking about being a servant, well, let me, let me look at Mark chapter 10, verses 43 to, 40, 43 to 45. Mark chapter 10, thinking of Jesus and the servant that he was. Mark 10, 43 to 45. Why did Jesus come? But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you shall be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I don't know how long ago it was. We had a West Rockingham District Ministers Meeting some years ago. And if I remember right, Brother John Perfect was having a devotions. And he came over these verses. Um, I would invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. John Perfect came over this. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. He said that this word ministers or servants of Christ, the Greek definition means an under oarsman, meaning we are called to be an under oarsman, which means that we are some of the rowers that row the ship down deep in the bowels of the ship. We labor to go wherever the master desires to go. Are you and I an under oarsman? The work that God has called us to, are we called to be a servant? Yes, we are. We're called to go where the master desires to go. And are we willing to be down in the lower parts and go where the master desires to go, serving each other as brothers and sisters in the life of the church. It reminds me of a of an illustration. I don't know if I've shared it here, but it's one of my favorite illustrations of a man named Bob Pierce. Bob Pierce was one of the men, one of the co-founders of World Vision, and Bob Pierce, toward the end of his life. Um, went to go to Indonesia, and he went to Indonesia, and while he was there, he met up with a colleague, and as they was walking along in Indonesia along a river, they happened to come upon a girl, and Bob couldn't speak the language, but this girl seemed to be in a lot of pain. She was writhing in pain there on the side of the river, and Bob asked his colleague, he said, what's the deal with this girl? And he and the man said, well, this, this girl has cancer, and she desired to live out her last couple hours or days alongside the edge of the river. And this so touched Bob Pierce, who didn't know the language, he didn't know the girl, and touched him so much that he got down on the, in the sand, and he got a hold of the girl's hand, and, she, and I'm, I'm trying to reconstruct some of this from my memory, so pardon me. But the girl was saying something, and she said something about, oh, if I could only sleep, if I could only get some rest. 
This girl was in tremendous pain. Bob Pierce, he reached into his pocket and he got out pills and he gave it to his colleague and he said, you give these pills to this girl as long as these pills last. For you see, Bob Pierce had advanced, advanced leukemia himself and the, peer, the, the pills that he gave up cost him something very much because the pills that he gave to the girl was pills that he needed for his own comfort so he could sleep at night. He didn't know the girl. He couldn't speak her language, but yet he was touched. How about you and me? Are you called to be a servant of Jesus Christ? Thirdly, we've been called to raise a standard. We've been called to lift a banner. And some time ago, Brother Dave Miller preached a sermon at the peak titled, What Flag Are You Flying? It was a very good sermon. But you know, there's a lot of people in our world, they're not ashamed to identify with a sports team or an organization that they want to identify with. You see people wearing maybe something that's got Aeropostale or North Face on it or Oakley, or they might you know, let you see their watch, that they got a Rolex watch. Well, obviously this is not a Rolex, but, but you know, they, they're happy to let you know that they identify with, with this group. And I had to think, we have a son that works for County Line. Suppose that Alan was in his office at County Line and Sherman nicely walked in, he's the boss. And Alan's sitting there doing his work and Alan's got a t-shirt on that says Martin's Native Lumber. I'm not here to promote us wearing, wearing uh, clothes with, with things on it, banners or whatever. But brothers and sisters, we have identified with Jesus Christ. And as people look at the clothes that we wear, do they recognize the identity that we have within uh, the Lord Jesus, that we have identified with him? You know, how is it? As our neighbors observe our life, is there complete agreement between what we profess on Sunday morning and the life that we live through the week? Am I transparent before God and men? What should be the purpose of our life? Matthew chapter 5 speaks of purpose, speaks of the goal, of the target that Alan was speaking about this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, the goal that we should have. We can back up to verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye, here at the bank, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but put it under a bushel. But on Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth forth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may commend you. No, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How can we convince others of the depths of God's love? First by experience and second by applying what we have. 
to share with others. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. Know you not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, and the temple you are, let's see. I'm sorry. I was not following my notes closely. That's 1 John instead of 1 Corinthians. 1 John chapter 3, verses... Verses 16. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need... Shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I guess I don't apologize for reading scripture to you. Maybe it's better to read more scripture and, and less commentary from the speaker. Galatians 6, 9 to 10. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So I submit to you, brothers and sisters, we've been called to lift a banner. Number four, we've been called to be a witness. What does it mean to be called out to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. I would tell you I'm encouraged. I'm hearing the, the pages of your Bibles as you're paging through. That's encouraging to a pastor. When therefore, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou uh, at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Um, and he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's my understanding that this word witness comes from the Greek word called martus. Can somebody tell me what the Greek word martus really means? Martus means a martyr, literally or figuratively a martyr. And that's what the ten disciples, uh, other than Judas and other than John, the ten disciples were called to be a witness or a martyr for Jesus Christ. Everything we have, we need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'd like to share... Uh, an illustration that I heard some time ago. Obviously, most of you would know Don and Betty Heatwall. How many of you all know Don and Betty Heatwall? Lots of people, lots of hands. It's my understanding that a couple years ago, Don and Betty were traveling to do some voluntary service over in a Muslim country, Iraq, I think. 
And as they flew over from the United States over into these countries and got to Iraq, they needed to go through customs. And in those countries, the men are in one line and the ladies are in another. And so as they began to go through this line, uh, Don and Betty became separated further and further apart. And ladies, I want you to pay special attention. How would you feel if you was in a Muslim country and you got separated from your husband and you were going up to the, not the Spanish Inquisition, but you were going to be asked questions that you had no idea exactly what was coming. It's my understanding that Betty, as she was going up to this lady officer further and further away from her husband, when she got to the lady officer, the lady said, are you a Christian? It's my understanding that Betty thought for a moment, and she said, yes, I am. And the lady officer said, I am too, and gave her a big hug. And we can smile at that story, but somebody was brought to the point of whether they was going to deny or they going to identify with the Lord Jesus, and Betty passed the test. And I would ask you, how well do we do when we come against something of that, kind, that nature? You and I have been called to be a witness. Number five, you and I have also been called out to show forgiveness. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? To show forgiveness. Do you and I extend forgiveness to the same level that we have received it from Christ. I'm not going to turn to Matthew chapter 18. A beautiful account there. If we want to know what a standard is that we should follow, turn to Matthew 18 verses 21 to 35. That is the standard. It's my understanding that there was an American serviceman named Louis Zamperini who was shot down in uh, the South Pacific during the World War II. Lewis drifted for 47 days. He battled hunger and thirst and shark and fear and bullets from Japanese pilots. And later he was taken as a POW. And there was a Japanese officer. Please forgive me, I'm not Japanese. I don't know how to pronounce this man's name. I'll do my best. Japanese officer, his name was Watanabe. And this man took pleasure in beating Louis. Many chances that he had, he took the opportunity to beat Louis. Louis consoled himself with the thought that after the war's over, I'm going to go back and kill that man. He was going to kill his tormentor. But Louis had many, many nightmares. I'm assuming he was suffering from PTSD. And he got to drinking. And in 1949, Billy Graham had a tent set up in Los Angeles for a tent revival. And the three-week campaign stretched into eight weeks. You think your revivals are long? Or us at the peak, I could add. Not three weeks stretched into eight weeks. And Louis's wife begged him and begged him to take her to these meetings. 
Louis refused. But I guess I'm reminded of Samson's wife. I guess after begging and pleading and crying for long periods of time, he thought, well, we might as well go. I'm getting no peace anyway. Later, Louis agreed. And it was at the tent that Louis had a flashback to remember his experience on the raft. And he remembered a promise that he had made. He said, God, if you will save me, I will serve you forever. And at this tent campaign, Louis ended up giving his heart to the Savior. Louis crafted a letter of forgiveness. And he took the effort to travel back. Remember the man who was going back to kill his tormentor? He crafted this letter and took it back to Japan. And he requested a personal meeting with his tormentor. It was denied. And Watanabe died a bitter man. Many a man and many a woman have gone to their grave embracing a heart of bitterness because of an unwillingness to forgive. The Bible tells us that bitterness not only affects one, but affects many. What does the Bible say? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 to 17, we read this. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears." To illustrate it, I understand that some years ago that there was some companies in the United States that had some toxic waste that they wanted to get rid of. And they thought, I know what we'll do. We'll dig a big hole. We'll put this toxic waste in metal barrels. We'll dig this big hole and we'll put the barrels in this hole, cover it up, and we'll be done with this deal. It's my understanding that the toxic waste was not able to be confined in those barrels and seep back to the surface and polluted groundwater and vegetation and polluted. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what will happen to people who think that they can retain ill will and resentment and bitterness in their heart and their life. It will seep back to the surface. It's toxic. And I don't know a man or a woman who is able to retain that in your system and come away unscathed. If I can share one more story that I heard some time ago. It's my understanding, and I don't know if this was in an Amish or a beachy Amish setting, but there were some youth boys that decided they wanted to irritate their bishop. So they thought what they could do, and in the nighttime, they went out in a field and they got these huge rocks and they took these huge rocks and they put them in the back of the Amish bishop's bro I don't know what's going to happen to you, Philip. <laughs> Brought these rocks and put it in the buggy of the Amish bishop. And it's my understanding he didn't say anything. And years went by. And I think maybe the man who went back and confessed later maybe got to the point where he grew up, got married, had a family, the Holy Spirit continued to work. 
And this man, he went to the bishop and he told him, I'm sorry, I was one of the boys that took those rocks and put them in the back of your buggy. And the Amish bishop said, that's okay. I forgave you boys the night that it happened and I'm sorry you had to carry this burden all these years. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, you and I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. For what purpose? That we should show forth, that we would demonstrate to the world his praises. And brothers and sisters, I don't know that I'm exasperated, but as I hear the changes that's happening in our world, the moral fabric, fabric of our world is disintegrating it's alarming what's happening in our world today. Let's don't lose our focus on the Lord Jesus. We can kind of become distraught with all the changes and all the bad things when prayer is kicked out of school and the Ten Commandments are abandoned in our court system. It's no wonder that our world, the fabric and the fragmentation of things that are happening in our world today, it's no wonder. But you have a job to do. I have a job to do. We have a goal. We have a target that you should show forth his praises. There are many people in our world today who, in essence, are asking the same question that Pilate did. What is truth? Where can they go to find out truth? It reminds me of a couple years ago. Sally and I were privileged to, excuse me, we were privileged to go to, to Israel, and we visited two places that was very interesting, very diverse, very different, very close together, and that was in Gedi and the Dead Sea. In Gedi and the Dead Sea are very close, side by side. I wish I knew Sally. I don't know, a mile or two apart. But you know, in Gedi was where Paul was David was chased by Saul, and he was in the caves in various places. And the water that comes into En Gedi comes from the mountain. It comes down to En Gedi. There's falls, and it continues to move on. And we tasted that water, and it's wonderful. It was pure. It tasted wonderful. But we also had the privilege of going to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has water coming into it, but it has no exit. God doesn't want you and me to be people who receive his blessings, but it has no place to go with it. We are not called to be a cistern. We are called to be a, a well of water, a spring of water that, that we can share God's blessing with others. We did swim in the Dead Sea. Uh, we tried to be careful. It was darker, and it was at night, and we were kind of by ourselves, but we floated in the Dead Sea, and we tasted that water, and it was horrible. The salinity of the Dead Sea is about six or seven times saltier than what we have in the others, the waters around here, um, the oceans, and it, it tasted horrible. But God desires that you and I would be that spring of water, that we would share the goodness of Christ there's a lot of people that are searching. As, as I think of the condition of our world today, it's probably raising a lot of questions in people's mind. They're looking for truth. They're looking for something better. It comes from here. It comes from you. It comes from me, I hope, that we have something to offer the world. 
as we think about the song that the group sang for us, we've been called out. Not so much what you've been called out, but what have you been called to? You've been called out for a purpose. You've been called out to be a servant, to sacrifice, to give for others. You've called out to lift a standard. You've been called out to be a witness. And you've been called out to show forgiveness. God has called you and I out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once again, I can't tell you how wonderful that transition is. Why? To show forth his purpose. God desires that you and I would be a conduit of his grace to the world around us. May God bless us to that end. Shall we have a song?